Alright, alright, NBA Quick Pod is locked and loaded for Monday, October the 24th. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA betting expert, is in the house. I'm your host, Sleepy J. Today, Mackenzie has gone through the NBA Tuesday card. He has to convince me with his best handicap. We'll stick to the format that we did there last week. Mackenzie will give a handicap on a side total and a player prop. And I'll go ahead, I'll grade those handicaps and pick the one that I believe is the best. I'll grade Mackenzie's plays on a scale of 1 to 10. We've done two of these quick pods so far this new NBA season. Total of six suggested picks. And every single pick up to this point has one. So Mackenzie, the ball's in your court there once again tonight. What's good? How you feeling? What are we looking at first? What's good? The association is good. Usually good to us each and every night, but uh, we'll try to make it good for you guys here on Tuesday. So I got three plays, and I'll be honest, you know, recording on Monday afternoon. Uh, not too big of a menu at the moment. There are currently two sides, two totals up, and no player props. So to pick a side and a total and a player prop out of that menu was slightly difficult. So I know you're a tough grader. Grade me on somewhat of a curve here. Let me go with my first play here. Golden State Warriors are getting three points right now at the Phoenix Suns. I make this game one. I think the Warriors are significantly better than the Suns. Uh, We've seen Chris Paul deteriorate. More on that in a minute. And I think the NBA is still, even after last year, overvaluing home court. So in the playoffs, there's a lot of zigzag. There's a lot of must-wins for the home team. We see the average difference between home and road teams about three sometimes even three and a half points in some series. I'm going to ask you kindly to throw that data in a different part of your brain because the regular season is and has been completely different from a game-to-game perspective how much advantage it is to be at home. This year, it's been advantage to be on the road. Road teams outscoring home teams. I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not. 60% ATS for road teams, good. But more importantly, going back to the beginning of last season, if we only look at regular season games, the home court advantage, how much average home court team should be an average road court team, closer to 1.5 points than three points. It's nearly been cut in half, and I don't think the market has reacted. I was reading one um, Vegas you know, summary report of the NBA betting so far, and it said, if you're still counting three points for home court advantage, you might want to adjust that a bit. I'm hoping they don't. I'm hoping most handicappers don't because if it wasn't for that advantage road teams, I don't know if I'd be 57% last year if road teams weren't cashed at 52, 53%. It's a nice little starting point to get. So I think we have another example of that here. How are the Warriors worse than the Suns? They're not. The market is saying the home court is worth three points here. It's not. So I think that's an advantage right there. To get into the teams a bit, Last year, the Suns had a better regular season team, 65 wins. Warriors, only 52 wins. Like I've said before on this podcast, the Warriors, we know and love, we did not see until the round one of the playoffs. That's when the big three, Thompson, Green, and Curry, were all back together. And that's when Jordan Poole had finally ascended to where he is as a borderline top 50 player in the NBA. So I feel like if you grade that team with the 65 team from win last year, they're about even. But again, back to Chris Paul, I don't think the Suns are as good as they were at their peak last year. Chris Paul has now played eight consecutive games where he's gone two or more points under his total. And it's not because he's not shooting. He was three for 11 in his last game against the Clippers. He's just not hitting anything. I feel like he doesn't have, and you sent me this in pre-production, one for 11 from three this year. I mean, Bob Costas said it. 
when age is a factor and fatigue is a factor, sometimes your legs aren't there for you down the stretch. I think I remember that uh, 98 finals broadcast quote. But yeah, when you're old as, as, as all hell, sometimes you, you can't shoot 40% from three anymore. It happens to everyone. I think it's happened to Chris Paul. So that's my first play. I think the Suns with Chris Paul less than he was are worse than they were. And I think the Warriors are the better team. We're getting three on the road, which I think is too much. What do you think of that first play? Warriors plus three at Phoenix. Well, I felt like you um, you packed a lot in there, but you totally unpacked it uh, in a way that I think is understandable and, and very convincing. So uh, I'm going to give you your highest score, I think, out of uh, all the handicaps that you've given out thus far. I'm going to go down. I'm going to give you a 7.9 on that. I'm thoroughly convinced. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to stamp that. Mackenzie's side play, 7.9. What do you got next? All right. Optimistic about that. Feeling good. Let me stay in the same game. I'm actually going to stay in the same game for all three plays here. How about the under 224.5? I looked into these teams' matchups. Obviously, they were 1-2 and two in the West most of last year. A lot of import to their matchups. A lot of intensity, playoff-like atmosphere. So I wasn't surprised when I saw these numbers. Four games last year, 216 average total, under three out of the four times, only 210 combined points scored. Now we have a total that's two and a half points higher than at any point last year in their four matchups, and that's expecting two touchdowns, 14 points more than these teams averaged. I think, if anything, the Suns have proven to be a little bit more half-court, a little bit more methodical this year with an older Chris Paul. When Cameron Payne's in there, it's a different story, but they're still trying to have their talisman be their talisman. He's still the point guard for now. I don't think they're going to change their stripes anytime soon. The Warriors, yeah, they've had bad defensive performances. You called it great pick on the first half versus the Nuggets. They didn't play any defense that half. And the same thing happened against the Kings. So I'm betting here that the Warriors stick their foot in the ground and say, okay, we've had poor defensive performances three out of three games. This is one of the contenders, not the Lakers. Not the Kings, you know, maybe the Nuggets. But these are the teams that we are expecting to be down the stretch in the playoffs. We're going to put our foot in the ground, make a statement. So if they bring their defensive intensity, this is 14 points higher than what we saw last year. I think it's too high. Second suggested pick, under 224.5, Warrior Suns. I don't mind that one. I'll go ahead. I'll give that a 7.6. I think maybe something that actually might be in your benefit there, McKenzie, is that the Warriors haven't played on the road yet. So we don't know what that team actually looks like right now. So I'll go ahead. I'll go 7.6 on that handicap. I like it. I'll go ahead. I'll stamp that one for you. What do you got next for your player prop? That's a great point, by the way. I'll look into those home road splits. Start contrast in the finals, for example, in the Warriors history between the home and the road. So I'll be interested early in the season. They have a similar type dynamic because it looked like they were kind of just coasting, didn't it? You know, the first couple of games, just shooting, not really caring. They're in San Francisco. I feel like we're going to get a little bit more intensity. Speaking of that, I think they're going to bring that intensity on defense against Chris Paul. Now, this point prop isn't isn't out yet. And we preach here at pregame, you got to get the best of the number. you got to understand the number. We don't bet teams or players. We bet numbers. But I am confident they're going to put this number out too high. So last game, it was 13 and a half. Again, he went three for 11. He only scored seven points against the Clippers. He goes under. That marked the eighth consecutive time dating back to last year's playoffs that Chris Paul has gone at least two and a half points under his point total. They've dropped it. The market is starting to see this, but they haven't dropped it enough, in my opinion. It was 16 and a half in the middle of last year's playoffs. 
This year it's been 14 and a half, all under one for six in the first game, bench in the fourth quarter. We know all that. Last game it was 13 and a half, so a little bit less, but they're not dropping it drastically. I think Chris Paul's play has fallen off drastically. So we might be late to the party here, but assuming they post this at 12 and a half, my third suggested pick, Chris Paul under 12 and a half points. I don't mind that either. I will say that that's pretty much tied. I, I feel pretty pretty much tied there at 7.6 with um, with your total suggestion. So I'll stamp that one 7.6. And I'll go ahead, Mackenzie. I felt like your most convincing argument there was for the Warriors at plus three. And I went ahead, I stamped that at 7.9. So I'll go ahead, I'll buy that one. Golden State Warriors plus three. Uh, we'll go ahead and be the pick that I buy. I want to go 3-0, and obviously. It would be beautiful to go 9-0 and on this podcast. But I think more importantly, to show our acumen not only as handicap makers, but handicap observers and judges, is if we can go 3-0 and on our suggested bought picks. That would be really nice. That was the ultimate goal, to be honest with you. And I think that that's one thing that we should probably explain here is that, you know, Mackenzie and I haven't bet these games. We may not even bet them. He's trying to say, look, sleep, I sat down. I handicapped these games. Here's what I found. You tell me what you think. And then I go and I look at everything. I listen to everything and I, and I grade everything. And I say, you know what, Mackenzie, this sounds good. That sounds good. This sounds really good. Let's go ahead and go with this one. Then we'll dig into it maybe a little bit deeper. You know, after we get done recording a podcast, Mackenzie and I would keep in good communication with each other and we start talking. And then before you know it, hey, maybe there's a play, maybe there's not. Even though we're 6-0, and hey, that's great. But again, these are suggested picks. So, you know, don't go out there saying, oh, you know, you said bet this and bet that. We're going to show you guys how we're kind of making sausage with this particular podcast. Amen. All right. So with that wrapped up there, Mackenzie, let's go ahead and let's get into our one hot topic for the day. And Mackenzie, I would be remiss. If, I don't think if we didn't talk about Russell Westbrook. I don't know what the Lakers can or will be this season, but I do know what they are right now. And the Lakers are 0-3 on the season. And Westbrook, he kind of looks out of sorts. I'm sure most of you saw on Twitter LeBron and AD reacting to Russ putting up a late fourth quarter shot with the game on the line that uh, eventually Russ missed. And the Lakers eventually lost that game to the Blazers. And the day prior to that, Russ went 0-11 in a Lakers loss and said in an interview that he played hard and never mentioned anything about his 0 for 11 night. Now, look, I don't doubt Russ played hard. I never have and I never will. I think he's has one of the best hearts in the league right next to my favorite player, uh, Allen Iverson. But, Mac, I think we would agree that there's probably going to be some type of a pivot here that's going to happen with this Lakers team. What it might be, I'm not certain, but what I dug up is a little bit interesting. Let's take a look at LeBron here. LeBron in the last two games has taken half of his shots or more when Westbrook is not on the floor with him. LeBron has had a higher percentage of his rebounds when Westbrook is not on the floor, and also LeBron has increased his turnovers when Westbrook is not on the floor. Now, look, some of this might not come as a surprise, but my feeling is that Russ actually might start losing a little bit more minutes. From what I've seen with the minutes of rotations, you know, with the play-by-play that I've gone through, Darvin Ham has pretty much kept his rotation minutes pretty consistent the last two games, especially with LeBron. He's pulling him off at a certain point, and then he's inserting him at a certain point. At least that's that's the case for the first three quarters. So here's my thinking. Russ is clearly hurting LeBron across the board stat-wise. I think that this is a live bet opportunity here, McKenzie, with LeBron. Now, we know pre-flop, 
the numbers with LeBron, they're going to be juiced to the over. But I feel like LeBron's numbers, as the game starts to move along, they're adjusted a little bit more correctly. And I think when Westbrook steps off the floor in the first quarter, because they're pretty much pulling him out right around the four-minute mark, I think we look to go ahead and play LeBron overs, rebounds, points, turnovers. Maybe not all three. I think we should probably take, you know, take the margin into consideration there. And then maybe when Westbrook comes back on the floor, we're looking to LeBron unders. So I think there's a middle opportunity there. But I think at the first quarter, we might be able to go ahead and pull something out, maybe some LeBron overs. I kind of personally, I kind of like the turnovers more than anything out of all the stat categories. But it's hard to deny when a guy's out there getting more than half of his shots in a game when Westbrook's off the floor. So there's something there. I'm not sure if I said anything that's convincing or if there's anything there that's interesting for you to maybe dive into and look up. But there's clearly a pivot coming. And I believe LeBron's going to end up being the beneficiary some way, somehow in the prop market when Westbrook gets off the floor. Brian Windhorst, ESPN writer. I don't know if he works for LeBron. I've actually heard that they don't talk anymore and they're not cool. But he grew up in Cleveland. He was reporting for St. Vincent uh, when LeBron went there. And he went there. They were high school friends. So they got they got a history, uh, it's, it suffice to say. And he goes on ESPN. I think it was their um, uh, countdown show. And he was like, why would a team – he puts his finger up. You know how Brian Windhorst do? He puts his finger up. Why, why would the Lakers prioritize Russell Westbrook and his stats over LeBron? Clearly – LeBron plays better without Westbrook on the floor. So it seems to me that they shouldn't prioritize Westbrook. They should prioritize, and you get the picture. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So you're not the only person saying it, and you're not the only person uh, with you know, words or a voice that's close to LeBron's ear that's saying it. So when LeBron says you know, after the press conference, I'm, not, I'm tired of I'm, – I'm, I, like, I don't like losing. I, I've never liked losing. I'm, I'm tired of answering questions about Russ, and you know, it's, not, it's not him. That's all just words that he gets to say and he gets to seem like he's protecting his guy when we know that Machiavellian angles that he's doing behind the scenes to prior and he should to prioritize his own team success and his own place in it. And both of them point to the same thing, which is when Westbrook plays less, because there's only one point guard. Russell Westbrook, God bless him, 14, 15 years in the league, he never learned to play a different position. LeBron has learned to play off the ball a little bit more and he can still influence the game in positive ways, but that's not what he wants to do. He wants to have the ball as many times as possible in a possession, kick it out to three-point shooters if he can drive it. And Westbrook doesn't fit into that in any way, shape, or form. So I think you're right. I think that pivot is coming. It's very hard for bookmakers to price everything. I don't even think they even try as far as live odds go. I think when you see Westbrook come into the game, you look at you know, FanDuel posters, live points props, it's probably a little high. And then when he goes out, especially if he's having a bad game and we don't expect him to play that many minutes going forward, I would play on LeBron's overs. I mean, those are just two factors. You could also look at the matchup. You know, he's not going to do as well against the Clippers, who have great wing defenders. He's going to do better against the Blazers down the stretch, who don't have great wing defenders. But of the different matchups that you want to look at during live betting of LeBron, I think Westbrook on off the court might be the biggest leverage factor uh, that we can we can exploit when betting on him. And I've I've played two LeBron props. I've played three props. I've given out three props to my clients. Three and zero. Happy about that. Two of them have been LeBron props. One of them we gave out on this pod rebounds over. The other one was points under. I only say that to say there's a lot of 
the menu is big with LeBron. They're going to put out every single prop. And I think the fact that uh, many, many, maybe millions of people will bet on his overs regardless because they want to have something fun. They've done it for years. They bet on his overs, watch the game. No, nothing wrong with that. That's why I think there's a lot of opportunities to bet his under. And at the same time, we've seen him statistically do things that no one has ever been able to do. So when we think he's motivated, like opening day, we think he's going to grab a lot of rebounds. The market's not going to be able to adjust for that slight change in the Kings motivation. It's going to have a massive effect in the box score. That's why he's one of my favorite players to bet. I think he's, uh, you say it's difficult to bet overs. It is. That makes it, you know, a little easier than usual to bet his unders because they're usually inflated. And I couldn't agree with that anymore there, McKenzie. And I think that on our next quick podcast, maybe we'll have a LeBron player prop. We've been pretty hot with those. That'll wrap it up, guys. That'll wrap up the quick pod here. Make sure you guys go ahead and check out McKenzie and I's podcast tomorrow night on RJ Bell's Dream Podcast feed. We'll be releasing our Wednesday 5 contest that will be posted in the pregame.com forums. You guys do not want to miss that. Make sure you guys follow McKenzie and I on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Those things actually help us and give us a little bit of motivation to go ahead and do more for you guys, as, as possibly as much as we can. And this has been the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Podcast. You guys can always find us at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Tuesday. Enjoy the games.